How's everybody tonight? Good. Good to see you. Did you have a good day? You know what that means. It can only get better. <laughs> All right. Well, God is good. Amen. Glad you could be here tonight. If you joined us on the live stream or podcast, glad you could join us tonight. We're all believing God together to receive from heaven and hear what the Spirit has to say, to deposit into our heart by which we can grow and develop in His life and all that He's given us to do. Amen. 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 Well, let's just bless the Lord. We praise you, Lord God. We give you all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy. Jesus, Lord of all, King of kings, everlasting God, thank you, Lord, for all that you are, for all that you do, all that you've done, what you prepared for us. Thank you, Lord God, that you do not hold anything against us, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, he bore our sin, he bore our judgment, he bore away all that we were so that we could be all that he is. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, and your kindness, for loving us, for caring about us. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sit at your feet and hear your word being taught by your Holy Spirit to impart revelation into our heart that the power of hell cannot stand against it. But we will continue to grow and develop in your life and your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus and the anointing that comes on your word, removes burdens and destroys yokes. And Father, right now, we just set ourselves to sit at your feet, to open our heart, and to hear from you and what it is you want to speak to us into our heart this evening. We thank you for it and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, find your place in Numbers 13. We're going to be starting over there tonight. Uh, the book of Numbers, which uh, commonly known as the book of murmurings. <laughs> uh, but we made a couple of statements um, Sunday about living beyond being mere men. Isn't that right? And when we walk in the light, we can have answers in our life that is beyond what the natural or carnal man can know or that they really know nothing of because we're hearing and receiving from the Spirit of God. You know, leaning to the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness is all about where we set our hope and where we set our trust. And God's laws are self-enforced. They just automatically work. Just like you don't need a scientist to work the laws of gravity for you. If you jump off the roof, if you fall down, if you stumble, gravity is going to take hold. Isn't that right? Uh, and you don't need anybody there to help you with it or to work it for you. It just automatically works. So the law itself works, and the law works when you work the law. Amen? So it's self-enforced. God's Word, we have to allow God's Word to have a voice in our life. Well, in order for God's Word to have a voice in our life, it has to be our voice. You know, Jesus gives us example, you know, in the book of Revelation, it says he's coming back. And, and, and when John describes Jesus in the first chapter of Revelation, he says there's a two-edged sword in his mouth. Well, what is that two-edged sword? It's the word of God. Isn't that right? The armor of God talks about the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God in your mouth. Okay. So um, 
that's how God gets a voice on the earth is by we give a voice to what he says when we declare it in faith. And when we do, fear will leave. Discouragement will be gone. Situations will start to change because of putting the word of God into that situation. Amen. In the last number of weeks, we talked about faith, whether it's real or not real. And that whole series on faith, real or not real, is a foundation to where we're going to start going tonight. And it's called living beyond ordinary. We are not to be ordinary folks on the earth. We are to be living beyond the ordinary. So I want to start over in Numbers 13 where Moses sends out 12 spies. Remember the Lord said, send out spies, send out uh, one from every uh, tribe. So every one of them was a leader among the people. And he sent the 12 spies out to spy out the land. So and then in verses 25 through 33 in Numbers uh, 13, it says, And when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. That was their first mistake. Moses sent them out and they came back and reported to the people. Big mistake. They should have come back and reported to Moses. Because the 12 spies were not the leaders of the people. They were leaders among the people. Moses was the leader of the people. And they should have reported to Moses. So now they're going to give their reports. You know, you can get behind doors in a staff meeting and you can settle all differences. But when you brought it out in front of everybody and just let out all the laundry, it's pretty hard to clean things up. And that's what happened right there. That's when the leaders among the people think they are the leaders of the people. And it causes nothing but problems. So they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us. And it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, oh, there's the big but. But, but the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very, and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. So Caleb then quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. The word bad is defined as evil. They gave out an evil report because it didn't agree with God. It's an evil report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So um, they gave out a bad report. Now, if you back it up to 32, uh, 
It says that they gave out a bad or an evil report because this is what they said. The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw of great size. That's not what God said about the land. God said, I'm bringing you into the land that flows with milk and honey, that it's a good land. But they did not agree with that because they couldn't see it. They wore the wrong glasses. They couldn't see it. Now, Caleb, uh, where did Caleb give his report? Was it verse 30, 29, 30? Then Caleb quieted the people and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. All right, so Caleb, along with Joshua, they're seeing beyond the trouble. Was there trouble? Yeah. Was there opposition? Sure. Was there adversity? Oh, yeah. But they saw beyond the trouble and they could embrace the end result. Amen. And this is how faith in God's word dominates our perspective. We have to start seeing what God says, even though the devil wants to throw something up in your face. You've got to see what God says. God said, I have given you the land. The 10 spies couldn't see beyond their fear. Therefore, it paralyzed them and they couldn't move forward. Fear will paralyze you from moving. Remember when Jesus uh, uh, came alive right there in the pit of hell? And it says that he paralyzed the devil. He brought him to naught. He paralyzed the devil. He was paralyzed with fear because here's Jesus now alive right in his face when he thought he had killed him. And he's right in his face and he's paralyzed the devil. He's so full of fear he can't move. When was the last time he was that afraid of you? He should be. Many people don't see beyond the effort that's needed. Oh, to go into the land. You know how much work that's going to be? You know how hard this is going to be? I mean, those people are big boys, you know. This is going to be rough. And we start facing situations that God's told us to go ahead with, but we might not be able to see beyond the effort. This is going to be hard. You know, if this is God, it wouldn't be this hard. Tell that to Paul. According to most Christians um, in today's society, Paul would be a total failure. Paul would be faithless since he had so many problems. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was the voice of the false apostles. That's what they said about Paul, that he was faithless. He had all kinds of troubles, and therefore God was not with Paul. God's with us because everything goes good for us. It's amazing how when you live in the devil's world, the devil lets you go, let good things go good for you. Amen. It's too much trouble. It's too hard. This can't be God. What do you mean there's giants in the land? There's giant voices against me. There's giant issues that's come against me. All the ites of the land. Look at all of this trouble. I thought God gave it to us. Huh? Now, you know, if you go down to Golden Corral for the buffet, right? You freely eat what you want, right? No, you don't. You got to pay. You got to pay, don't you? And sometimes the line is out the door and you wait and get in line. 
and you wait and you pay and then when you pay then you can eat yeah but you know god god just god just gives it to me i mean he gave us the land he just gives it to us well yeah he's freely given you the land you just have to make the choice to obtain it just like golden corral freely puts out the food for you you got to make the choice whether you want to pay the price And I don't know if you've noticed, it's increased. (laughs) Are you with me? So they had to choose to obtain what God freely gave him. And the book of Romans says that he has freely given us all things in Christ. Freely. All we have to do is obtain it. It's been freely given. So what does it mean when God freely gives it? It means he'll never oppose you. So when things are hard to get a hold of, that's God's stuff. Stop saying God don't want me to have it. That's not God's will. God's not opposing you. He's freely given it. Yes, he does. In fact, he's already given it. Yes, he has. And at the risk of sounding racist, he's not an Indian giver. <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. So... I think God should just give it to me. Well, who told you that? Where did you learn that? It certainly is not in the scriptures. He freely gives it, but we have to obtain it. And that's why he's given you everything you need so you can obtain it. There's no reason that we can't obtain. Isn't that right? Chapter 14 Verses 1 through 3. It says, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried. And the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? What happened? The ten spies that were full of fear got before a people and gave their report, and the people had no faith. Therefore, they all go over into the fear camp. They've all fallen over the fear cliff because there's no faith. Faith stands before people, Caleb and Joshua. They stood before people, the people that had no faith. And they, they did not give heed to what Joshua and Caleb said. Why? Because they had fear instilled in them. Because the flesh will always go the way of the flesh. And unless you're strong as a spiritual being in in faith, in God, that flesh will lead you off the fear cliff. Caleb spoke with confidence. We could take the land. Come on, let's go get it. Look look at verse 6 through 9. So he says here, uh, verse 6 through 9, thank you. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, Of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. 
And if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us into this land to give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. They'll be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Praise God. You know, those three verses can apply to every situation in your life. Everything. He says, if the Lord is pleased with us, well, how would the Lord be pleased with them? Faith. Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 3 says, with, apart from faith, it's impossible to please him. Right? So faith pleases God. If the Lord is pleased with us, if you get, off, get out of the fear realm and get over into the faith realm, the Lord will be pleased with you. And then if you'll go in and take the land like he said to do, the Lord will be pleased with you. Yeah. Isn't that right? And what will the Lord do? Fight with you. He's not going to do the fight for you, but he'll fight with you. You throw the rock, but he'll hit the giant in the head. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So Joshua, Caleb's telling them what God said. He's given us the land. They're wanting to instill faith into the people. He'll bring us in the land and defeat the enemy as we are strong in the Lord. Notice what he says in verse uh, 8, I believe it is. The Lord is pleased. He'll bring us in the land. To give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Let's try verse 7. And they spoke to all the congregation. The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. That's exactly what God said about the land. So now Joshua and Caleb are not even considering or talking about the giants in the land. They're talking about the land. Remember what the Lord said to Moses, send in 12 spies to spy out the land. What did Moses say? Go in there and tell us about the people. Tell us about the cities. Tell us. No, God said, go in and look at the land. It's an exceedingly good land that flows with milk and honey. That's what I want you to see. They didn't see that. So then again, verse 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, faith He'll bring us into the land and give it to us because he already said it, right? He said, I've given you the land and it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Again, saying what God says, verse 9. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't fear the people for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed. Why? Because God has said, I've given you the land and that's enough to defeat the enemy. That is enough. You remember when God came to uh, 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 um, Gideon and he said to Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor. And he says, uh, you know, go and, and do these things. He says, go in this your strength. Have I not sent you? The word of the Lord that says go is enough. It's enough to bring the victory. It's enough to know that whatever comes against you, you can defeat it because God said to go. God said, I've given you the land. It's enough to defeat anything and everything that's in that land. No matter what it is, you have what you need to defeat it. Because God said, go. Amen. Glory to God. You hear what he says, and then you add faith to what you heard, and you act on it. 
This is very simply living beyond the ordinary. You had 10 spies and a congregation there that were ordinary. They ordinarily looked at what they saw. Joshua, Caleb, Moses, they saw beyond what everybody saw and saw the end result because they saw the promise of God rather than what they were looking at. This is living beyond mere men. This is the realm of faith that steps into the portal of his power. You hear what he says and you say, yes. And you start going in that direction. And anything that gets in your way is going to have to move because of the authority he's given you, the direction he's given to you, the Holy Spirit that he's given to you. You have everything you need. You have the weapons of warfare. You have prayer. You have the confession of faith. You have everything you need to defeat anything that gets in your face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 24. He says... This is, the, this is the Lord speaking about Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. Caleb had a different spirit. What spirit did Caleb have? He had a spirit of faith. Second Corinthians 4.13 we believe, therefore we speak. Having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. That's a spirit of faith. I believe, therefore I speak. Well, I believe that, but I just don't say it. Then it's not a spirit of faith. I'm sorry. The Bible says I believe and I speak. That's a spirit of faith. We either do what the word of God says or we don't. Well, I don't like to. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You know, before I got saved, I didn't like the idea of being saved. I didn't like the idea of Jesus Christ. I didn't like the idea of anything that had to do with Christianity. I didn't even like the idea of anything that had to do with being good. I didn't like none of it. Guess what? It all had to change. I wound up getting saved. Wound up realizing how wrong I was. You'll never know how wrong you are until you step into what's right. Even as a believer. As a believer, we, we believe and we think wrong things. But you'll never know it's wrong until you step into what's right. Because that's what faith is all about. If I could figure out and know that this would all be good, then it's not faith. It's just like we always said. If I can figure this out and I can understand this all before I even get into it, then you're only trusting yourself. You're not trusting God. You're trusting your own intelligence to figure it out. And once you figure it out, then you'll say, okay, I can do that. But you're only going to do it in yourself because faith brings you beyond what you think. It's a great place to live. It's called stress-free, too. <laughs> Caleb had the perspective of what the Lord said. Caleb fed his faith. He did not feed fear. When he saw the giants, he wasn't moved off of what the Lord said. 
Look at the giants. Yeah, but God said he's given us the land. Look at the giants. Yeah, but their protection is removed because God said he's given us the land. The ten spies and the congregation just acted like mere men. But Joshua and Caleb was beyond the ordinary. Verse 11. Go back up to verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me, despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? So ever since the deliverance of Egypt, they got delivered out by great mighty hand of God. They came through the wilderness to this point. God doing signs and wonders, food, water, you know. They were, they were tired of eating chicken. I mean, they were tired of eating bread, so God sent them chicken. <laughs> Probably been Sam's chicken. <laughs> you know, and, and God continues to do things. They get to the place to where there's nothing but bitter water. And he says, throw this thing, this palm into the water, and it turns sweet. Oh, we, we understand that. Trees are designed to turn water sweet. So we, they did all of those things. God did all of those things. And guess what? Joshua, Caleb, the ten spies, along with all of those people, all experienced the same thing. They all experienced the same signs and everything that God did in their midst. Yet, Joshua and Caleb are the ones that chose to believe God and took on his perspective. The multitude took on the perspective of the 10 spies. Now, when they went in to spy the land, all 12 of them saw the same thing. They all experienced the same thing, but yet they came back with different reports because they had different perspectives. Because two decided to believe God, the other 10 decided to believe what they saw. What stopped them from going into the land? Believing that what they saw was greater than what God said. And they defined their, they defined their God based on their experience rather than what Joshua and Caleb did was define their experience based on their God. The 10 said, God's not big enough. I know what you said, but look at what I'm facing. Don't you know? Can't you see? This is a big deal. You're not able to. Joshua and Caleb looked at the situation and says, oh, I know what God said. You don't have a chance. See, and that's what we do in life. We're either going to define our experiences based on God or we're going to define God based on our experience. And it all depends on what you lean to, what you depend on, what you trust in, what you focus on. What you value. Amen. So Joshua and Caleb had a different report because they had a different perspective. They had a different spirit. They were beyond ordinary. Now, sometimes I hate to use the, the phrase beyond ordinary because some people want to start getting weird. You know, well, beyond ordinary means you've got to be weird. Well, you have to try to be different, you know. Well, you know, I see the way everybody is, so I'm going to be different because I'm 
not ordinary. No, you're weird. <laughs> what does it mean to be beyond ordinary? It's heart condition. That's what it's all about, heart condition. The condition of your heart. In fact, go over to Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. And we'll read verses 1 through 4. Daniel chapter 6, 1 through 4. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Now, all the satraps, the other commissioners, they were all corrupt. This was a very corrupt government, but Daniel was not corrupt. So all the satraps and the commissioners wanted to find fault with Daniel to get him out of the way so they could continue in their corruption. And you thought it started in Washington, D.C. This has been going on a long time. It's just the way of the world because wherever the devil is, that's what goes on. Nothing new under the sun. So those in governing positions wanted to get out of the way those that are not corrupt so they could continue in their corruption and it wouldn't be exposed. <laughs> but that's what they wanted. But Daniel had an extraordinary spirit. He had a spirit of faith. And he moved in faith in his everyday life, in everything that he did. What, did I miss four? What was four? Okay, then the commissioners and the satraps began trying to find the ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to the government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. So as far as his job went, as far as his position went, he had the utmost of integrity. He did not falter a little bit to the right or to the left. He didn't get into the gray area. He didn't hang out with all the lobbyists. He didn't go around to people that promised him money from foreign countries. He was where he needed to be. He had an extraordinary spirit. So they couldn't find anything wrong with him as far as his operation in government affairs. So you know the account. They decided that they're going to have to find fault with him in the area of his God. And they tricked Darius to sign a decree and all that stuff about prayer. And they made the king then hold to the decree and the punishment of breaking the decree was to be thrown into the lion's den okay so um, that's what happened but Daniel having an extraordinary spirit it was extraordinary because it wasn't just concerning his job it was his life this was his whole life living by faith you know some people think well Daniel lived like that. And he got thrown in the lion's den. I'm just going to live like I want and I'll avoid th being thrown in the lion's den. Yeah, but you're living in the lion's den. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
Other people think I can just live like I want to live. And then when I need God to deliver me, he'll be there to deliver me. But we're not talking about I believe I receive, although that has some truth to it. But we're talking about lifestyle because the just shall live by faith. Isn't that right? Daniel had a lifestyle before God and Daniel knew his God intimately. You know, the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy, I know in whom I believe. I don't just believe something. I know in whom I believe and in whom my faith rests. In, in, in the book of Acts, when Paul was on the ship going to uh, Rome and they got into that hurricane, remember that? And he went to the people and he said, the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve, his angel stood before me tonight. And I've come to declare to you, the God whom I belong and the God to whom I serve. There's many Christians that belong to God. They don't serve him, but yet they want all that he has to offer. Are you with me? You know, serving God can be very simply renewing your mind. The Bible says it's your reasonable service of worship. Okay. If we don't live a life before God and walking in his ways, having an extraordinary spirit, how would we act in the face of a lion's den? How would we act in the face of a fiery furnace? The world don't like it when you don't act or react like they do. Neither do carnal Christians. They don't like that. But when we take our position, it places us in an arena that lives beyond the ordinary. We're called to live beyond the ordinary. Go back over to Numbers chapter 13, verse 2. So God told Moses to send out spies. And he says here in verse 2, send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, every one a leader among them. All right. So he says, spend, send out people, spy out the land. What land? The land that I'm giving to the sons of Israel. So what is God doing here? He's not just making a promise of land, but he wants to give vision to the people. He's trying to give them a vision of what is to come. Go out and spy the land and get a vision of what is to come. Well, two came back with a vision that said, yes, this is the land God's giving us. And ten came back and said, I don't like what I see coming. Hmm. Yeah. So the land that I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. So again, he's giving vision to them. This is what I want for you. But he's also giving them opportunity. Opportunity to walk in his plan, his purpose, and his blessing. That land was to be a blessing to them. Huh? Joshua and Caleb, they took hold of the opportunity by lining up their perspective with what God said. The ten spies didn't see 
the opportunity because they didn't understand vision. When you don't understand vision, you will miss opportunities. The congregation that they reported to had no vision. Therefore, they did not see any opportunity. What happens when you don't have vision and don't see opportunity? All you see is trouble. Because that's all you have left in this world. You either have a vision from God based on his word. You have an opportunity from God based on his leadership. Or you have trouble in the world. There is no other avenue. And the answer to every bit of trouble is vision and opportunity. Amen. Go over to Proverbs 29, 18, and let's look at it in the King James Version. Proverbs 29, 18, because it actually says it the right way here in King James. The first part of it. For where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision. The word vision means to have something in your mind or revelation, a revelation that comes to you. All right. And, of course, it does have to come into your mind, from your spirit into your mind. Otherwise, you can't walk in it. The word perish, though, in this verse and in this verse only means to let something slip through your fingers by missing an opportunity. To let something slip through your fingers by missing an opportunity. Now, when we talk about opportunities, many times we think about opportunities to make money, opportunities for an investment, opportunities for increase, opportunities for this uh, 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 affair in life, you know, opportunities to make something happen. But that's not really what he's talking about. Israel missed the opportunity of entering into the blessing by listening to fear. The blessing of the Lord was the land. The opportunity was to enter into the land to walk in the vision that God wanted them to get. I'm giving you the land. If you walk in that vision, the outcome will be the blessing of the land. So the opportunity isn't to look here, look there, trying to make this work, trying to make that work. Oh, here's an opportunity. I've known people that say, oh, I had an opportunity, but they were actually just robbing people, cheating them, stealing from them. But they thought it was just opportunity. No, the opportunity is when God speaks, God directs you, and God shows you. And the opportunity is to walk in what he's directing you in, what he's leading you to, what he wants to give to you. And there will always be opposition. There will always be adversity. Because the devil don't want you walking in what God wants you to have. But then we have a choice between faith or fear. And fear doesn't mean horrified or terrified. It just means an inability. An inability. I'm not able to do that. Oh, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. Well, sorry, that's rooted in fear. It's either faith or fear. Those are the foundations on either side. I'm afraid it won't work. I'm afraid that won't. Oh, that's not going to turn out for my benefit. That's not going to bring increase into my life. I don't think that's going to work out. Why? Because of what I see. Too many ites in the land. And they're big. 
God's bigger. Yeah. See, you got to know the difference between vision and want. There's a major difference. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, everybody in that congregation, the million of people that was in that congregation, along with the ten spies, all wanted what was in that land. They all wanted a land that flows with milk and honey. They all wanted to get out of the wilderness and get into this land. Look at the fruit. We, this fruit is so big, we had to carry it on a pole. It's a massive fruit. And this could be yours. We all want that. But are we willing to do what needs to be done to get it? Or are we just going to sit and wait? See, that's what want does. Want waits. Now, you have to understand something about the children of Israel. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. A lot of generations. Right? They went into the land. They went into Egypt knowing about this land because of Abraham. Right? So, therefore, for 400 years... They've talked about the land for generations. They've looked for the land of milk and honey. They longed for the land of, of milk and honey. They desired this land. They dreamed about this land. They talked about this land with each other. They imagined what the, lamb's gonna, what the land is going to be like. They even told their children about it. Then the time came to walk into it. Right? Want is not vision. Want without God is an empty hope. Want with a hope in God is to bring about faith based on what he says. Whether it's something you perceive within you, whether it's something from the word of God or the Holy Spirit directing you. Faith without action is what? Useless. It's useless. God, I'm sorry, want waits for God to drop it on us. Therefore, we miss every opportunity that the Lord wants to bring us because we're just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm not looking for opportunities. I'm waiting. That's what want does. Faith rises up to act on opportunities and take hold of the promise because it's a vision. And knowing that you don't do it alone, you know the one that gave you that vision. Want waits. Vision does. Vision acts. Are you with me? Joshua and Caleb said, we are able to overcome. The Lord will bring us into the land and give it to us. In spite of the opposition. In spite of the giants. In spite of the adversity. It does not matter what's in that land. God said it's ours. See, that's faith. Who got to go in? Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because the Lord was pleased with them. Faith. They had a different spirit, a spirit of faith. Faith rose up in the vision. God gave the vision. Faith rose up in the vision, and they were ready to act on the opportunity and take hold of the land. And even though they had to wait 40 years, they were still ready at the end of 40 years. Caleb said, give me my mountain. Right? Amen. Amen. It's a never quitting attitude. You know, that is what zeal is defined as the zeal of the Lord. It's a never quitting attitude. Aren't you glad he was zealous for you? He never quit on you. Where are we at? Back over to Numbers 13, verse 9. 
No. It must be 14. Yes, thank you. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. All right, so he says here, do not rebel against the Lord. The word rebel means resist or to oppose, and it gives the idea of grieving. You know, I think it's in Thessalonians that says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Rebel, oppose, resist. Don't resist what God says. Don't oppose his direction. Some people think if, if something bad happens, then it's God. Oh, God's doing this, so don't resist what God's doing. Well, that's not truth. I don't know who teaches this stuff. It's not in the Bible. God said what the direction was. Go into the land, right? That's what the direction was. The Holy Spirit leads you, guides you, and we take a choice. We make a choice of whether we're going to follow the light or follow the dark. Do you know that after the resurrection... There's no mention of dreams leading people in the Bible. There's no mention of dreams leading people in the Bible. There's no mention of calamities to turn people in the right direction. Because in the New Testament, the church is supposed to be supernatural. We don't live by dreams. We don't live by what we see and what's going on to prove whether something's of God or not of God. We, as the supernatural church, are to know our God. I know in whom I believe. We are to know him and know him personally, not just know of him. We are to know him personally. He is to be our Lord, our God, our King. He is the one that's on the throne of my heart. He's the one that's the leadership of my, my life. He's the one in whose, whose authority I give final place of his word in my life and what he says is the way it's going to be i'm supposed to hear from his spirit and i'm supposed to be directed from within not from without from what's out it's going to have to line up with what's within because we are the supernatural church it's how god made us to be Look in Galatians 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Now, here we go. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Notice. The one who sows to his own flesh, God will bust him over the head. The one who sows to his own flesh, God's going to see you have problems. No. The laws of God are self-enforced. You sow to the flesh, your flesh will create your own problems. God's not doing nothing for you. The devil don't even have to do anything. He's sitting on the side going, look at them. They're creating all their own problems. I'm going to go over and whisper in their ear and tell them, God's doing this. God's doing this to you. But when you sow to the flesh, the flesh brings about corruption and ruin in your life. But when you sow to the spirit, then from the spirit you get zoe, the life as God has life. Isn't that right? Amen. It's a very simple concept, but yet it's so overlooked. 
Because the devil's got people believing that God does everything. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is, he's in charge. He's made you do this. He's made you do that. He's made all this happen. You have no choice. You have no say-so in anything. It just happens. God's lined it all up, and he's made it all work out perfectly. He made your car break down so that you would wind up over here and make all this happen. Come on. Are you kidding me? Jeez. When it's so simple, so simple, hear from God and do what he says. So simple. Find it in his word, get it in your heart, live in it. Really simple. Give in to your flesh, your flesh will give back to you. Give in to the things of the spirit, you'll get back from the spirit. Very simple concept. It's not hard at all. But yet it's so overlooked. Because the devil never wants you to see that. He wants you to blame everything on God. He'll point the finger at God and blame God for everything the devil's doing. It's him. It's him over there. I'm telling you, he's your big problem. He don't like you. He just continues to point at God and tell you that God's your biggest problem. Because he don't want you to know that he's your problem. He's the original projector. The laws of God are self-enforced. Very simple. He has laid it all out, and we get a choice of how we're going to live. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. See, that's the sovereignty of God. God has sovereignly set up his kingdom, and you get the choice of how you're going to live. It's very simple. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Hallelujah. Therefore, let us fear. You know, this is a verse that I really meditated on a lot. (laughs) Therefore, let us fear that while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Now, before we even go any further, let's stay there on verse 1. Let us fear that while a promise remains. Are there promises in your, for your life that you have not entered into? Then there's a promise there of entering into rest that we've come short of it. Well, how many of us have been like, oh, dear God, I don't know. I don't, I don't have that work and I need to get that work. How many of us are like on the edge of our seat? Like I need to get this working in my, I don't have that rest in that air. I don't have faith working in this. I need to get this working in my life. <laughs> Do any of us live on the edge of our seat dealing with that? Probably not. But yet he says right there, we ought to fear that while a promise remains, we don't get it. We come short of it. See, we want to be on the edge of the seat for God to do something for us. But do we want to live on the edge of our seat to step into the things that God has? Do we want to, we living on the edge of the seat to take hold of things? Or are we in the want condition and just waiting for God to drop something on us? I'm wanting and I'm waiting. I'm wanting and I'm waiting. 
When vision says, you get in my way, I'll kick you in the face, not you. <laughs> talking to the devil, talking to the opposition, talking to the adversity. I'm not going to put up with that nonsense. Are you with me? Let us fear that while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Verse 2 and 3. For indeed, we have had, well, we'll stop at 2. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also. Everybody's heard the same thing. It's just like the, uh, those that heard the word, but they didn't act on it. The house was built on the sand. The storms came, the winds blew, the rains descended, and the, the house fell, and great was its fall. But then there's those that heard the word, and they acted on it. And the rains came, and the winds blew, and, and, the, and, and, the, and the storms descended, but the house stood. They both heard. One did something with what they heard. The other one didn't. The parable of the sower, there's those that heard, and those that heard, and those that heard, but only one group that heard had product in their life of harvest because they did something with what they heard because they knew hearing's got to go beyond our two ears and it's got to get into our heart. Isn't that right? For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So when you hear, you have to choose to say, I believe that. Yeah. That doesn't mean you understand it. You know, David said this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the word. Well, if you don't keep the word, you'll never keep your life. So you got to start by keeping the word. If you're like, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't believe that. And you just forget about it. It'll never affect your life. And that's like, that's like taking a seed and putting it into the soil. And the soil goes, I don't want that. No, the soil don't do that. Because it's self-enforced. God made it that way. So, but we have a choice. So we can spit that out and go, well, I don't want that. Or I don't want to hear that. Or I don't believe that. And therefore, we never have an opportunity to mix faith with. So the very simplest aspect of faith is I hear it and I choose to receive it. Even a simple word that says, do not lie to one another. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean don't lie? Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Even on April 15th, don't cheat. <laughs> My grandson's having his uh, baby gender reveal on April 15th. I'm thinking, well, that's better than going to the IRS. <laughs> so take what you hear and decide you're going to keep it. I'm going to keep that. I don't know it. I don't understand it, but I'm going to keep it. Because if I don't keep it, I'll never understand it. Because I'll never get a revelation out of it. Verse 3. For we who have believed enter the rest. All right? So faith in any area is rest in that area. 
Faith in any area is rest in that area. Walking by faith in our life is rest in our life. The just shall live by faith, so the just should live in rest. Some think they have rest because they came to a place of abundant finances and don't have to worry anymore. Well, that soul peace, which is founded on shaky ground, because man's wealth is his safety and protection in his own imagination, Proverbs says. Have you noticed the stock market? Have you noticed that Japan's economy is at the point of faltering? It's on a point of implosion. Where's our short tower of protection? They who believe and have faith and act on it, which was the last series we talked about. Faith, real faith, enters rest. Okay? It doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. It doesn't matter what's going on around the world. It doesn't matter if Russia is flaring up, if Ukraine is flaring up, if China is flaring up. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, what if there's a nuclear war? One moment here, one next moment in heaven. Glory to God. <laughs> really? You know, come on. <laughs> you know, you can build your uh, whatever you build underground and stay in there for 25 years with all your dried food. <sighs> I'm going to eat some manna. <laughs> <laughs> See, the Lord is to be our sure tower. The righteous run into the name of the Lord and are safe. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. He says, they that believe enter that rest. The word enter means to come into a place. To come into a place. So this is not a personality thing like, well, I just don't worry. You know, that's just not me. I'm just not one to worry. That's, that's personality. That's not what he's talking about. Okay, this is a place that you enter into and abide in that place called rest, just like faith. Faith is a noun. Faith is a noun, which is a noun is what a person, place or thing. Right. I learned that in English class. Yeah, I know. But it's a it's a place. So and faith is a noun and it's a place that you come when you got delivered out of sin. How many times have you heard we got delivered out of the house of sin? Because you were in that house right. of sin. Right. Well, you got delivered out of the house of sin and you were placed into the house of faith. So now I am to live. Live is an action. Live by faith or live by believing. The work of God is belief. So I am to work now. I live now by believing. Believing is, an, is a verb. A verb. A verb is a what? It's an action. So faith is a noun that I'm in, but believing is an action. So faith takes hold of truth, but believing is an action. By faith and believing, faith and corresponding actions. Out from the house of faith. And in that house is rest. I enter into, I come into a place and abide. It means to move into a space. I move into a space called rest. And in that space where I walk by faith, I walk in rest. If I walk out of that space, then I'm going to have some issues. 
So I can have a personality that says, well, I just don't worry, but never be in that place. Because the place of rest is for they that believe. Not just those that have a personality of, well, whatever, I don't, you know, I'm not concerned about it. I'm just lackadaisical, you know. Well, you know, the Bible talks about being lackadaisical or being diligent. So, again, it's a place called rest. It's a faith and a believing that comes from hearing. All right? They had the word preached, but they didn't add faith to it. We heard the word preached, and we added faith to what we heard. And you come to we who now believe. We who believe. See, he said before, they didn't add faith to it. But now he says, we who have believed enter the rest. So they did something with what they heard. And when they did something with what they heard, they came into a place called rest. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I can talk about houses. I can talk about different kinds of houses. Um, I can go to Savannah and go down to their historic district and look at all different kinds of architecture and all different kinds of homes, right? Pastor Morgan, I could talk to Pastor Morgan about construction material that's needed for houses and stuff like that. And we can know all about houses. We can talk about houses. We can like different kinds of houses, but it's another thing to move into one. You can talk about rest. You can talk about faith. You can talk about believing. But it's another thing to move into it and start living it. And in these days, as we get closer to the end times, it is extremely important that we press in for greater faith. Now, this goes beyond paying the electric bill beyond needing gas, and beyond needing food on the table, which every one of those things are needful, definitely needful. Isn't that right? All right. But what we have to come to understand, thank you, Jesus, is that that is not the end all of faith. It's not the end all. Okay. What it is, is we can take faith and use it to learn. By paying the electric bill by faith, by getting a car by faith, about uh, uh, getting food on the table by faith. We can use what we learn in those things as a preparation to step into what God wants us to do. Because faith goes way beyond just having our needs met. And one of the reasons that the church gets so carnal is because they have no vision beyond what they need. And when you don't have a vision beyond what you need, all of a sudden your needs are met and you become carnal. Because yeah. why do I need faith now? I don't have any problems. Everything's good. And that's why we go to the Bible and go, oh, I don't know what to read. I mean, you know, I don't have any problems because we don't have any vision. See, we're just focused on self. And God's trying to get you to develop in faith so that you can move into what he wants you to do. 
because he wants you to lift up your eyes and say, and so he can show you that's the land I want for you. This is the land you need to take. You know, and the land that they took, although it benefited them, it was to affect the world. Isn't that right? Amen. So faith for our needs is the same faith that we can use to fulfill God's needs. You know God has needs? His need is for every single person on the face of this earth to be saved. That's what he needs. That's what Jesus died for. And he needs somebody that cares about it. That will get a vision of it and move in that direction. In whatever area and aspect that might be. We have been given the life of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That he took that old nature out and gave us his nature. Given us his Holy Spirit. He cleaned us up and put his spirit within us in a clean house. He's given us the word of God that is the word of his power. He's given us the corporate anointing. He's given us faith and grace. He's given us prayer. He's given us fellowship. He's given us ministry gifts. He's given us operations of the gifts of the Spirit. He's given us all kinds of things, the weapons of our warfare. He's given us his word to show us all the schemes of the enemy so that we can't be taken advantage of, so that we can walk over the top of everything that he tries to do. Isn't that right? Given us everything. So it's time that we learn to operate in a different spirit, a spirit of faith, living by faith, going beyond just what I seem to have to have in my life. You know, there's an old, um, um, not, it's not an old, it, it's a true thing. And that is that when you practice martial arts and what you do is you might have, and, and this is what they do about having a board, you know, a piece of wood or even concrete. And they stare at that thing. And what they do is they actually can see back here. And they focus all their attention back here, not up here. If you focus all your attention on this thing, you'll never break it. But unless you focus your attention beyond what you're trying to get a hold of. And that's what you do in martial arts. And I had a guy started teaching me that stuff. And I started practicing it. And all of a sudden, you could start seeing, I mean, seeing, you know, standing in the shower and seeing beyond the tile wall. And what you do, what you do is you're just standing there, and all of a sudden you reach. And what do you reach for? You don't reach for this point. You've reached for that point. And you will go through anything that's in the way between you and that point. That's the whole idea of it. I would have put the hole in the wall. I almost did. A little more practice, I'd have got it. <laughs> but you see, so many times we focus on something. We focus and focus and focus on it. And it's that thing that we're trying to get through. But yet God wants you to see beyond it to the vision. It's called seeing the ending from the beginning. And if you start looking at the ending and then start reaching for the ending, anything that gets in your way, you'll be able to move. Defeat it and bring it down. See, this is living beyond the ordinary and living in extraordinary living. That's the whole idea of faith. The Holy Ghost, the life that God's given to us. 
that we would not be like mere men, but that we would be ordinary and extraordinary. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to do something a little different tonight. And um, if you brought your seed and sowed it onto the podium tonight, I want you to come up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, you know, this is something that we normally do. But I believe this is what the Spirit of God is directing tonight. And he spoke it when you came up. And God's not a respecter of persons. So therefore, what he said to you or of you when you brought yours up is what he says to everybody up here. Okay. And that is because of your freedom and your willingness to obey God and to do the things that he asked you to do as simple as just coming up and putting something on the podium. In looking at that, it may look to be simple, but there may be things going on on the inside of you that is saying, but I don't want to walk up there. I don't want to walk in front of people. I don't want to take something to be able to do that. And God wants you to know that he appreciates your willingness and your obedience. And because of doing so, that thing, oh, the things that you are in need of will now be yours. In Jesus' name. And it will be yours. In Jesus' name. And it will be yours. In Jesus' name. And it will be yours in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. See, the extraordinary doesn't start way out there off the edge of the cliff. It starts at simple things. Moving in simple things. Moving in things that we're actually able to do. But we do them by the direction of the Spirit of God. And in doing so, it says the hand of the diligent will be made fat. And the faithful one will abound in blessings. And the recompense of the Lord belongs to you. Because he appreciates what you've done. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's rejoice. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your grace. Oh, Father, we bless you. We adore you. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Father, I bless you and honor you and glorify you this day, every day, all of my days, Lord. For there is none like you, everlasting God, faithful Father. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Counselor, intercessor, Uriah. You are my uh, uh, comfort. You are my, my uh, strength, my standby, my everything, my all in all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. Thank you for your word this evening. Thank you that you spoke to us in the room, on live stream, on podcast, that you have spoken into our heart and brought revelation to us. A word, something that you spoke into us that we could take, that we could set our faith on, and we could start meditating on, giving ourselves to it, and walking in the direction of the vision of that word that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, that as faith comes alive in us, your spirit will direct us and guide us in the way that we should go so that that which is your vision will become a reality in life and on the earth. Thank you, Father. Lord, as we come before you with our giving, we thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed. We have vision for our finances. So therefore, because we have vision for our finances based on what your word has said, we look to take the opportunities that you bring our way. And I thank you, Lord, that as we do take opportunity, you watch over your word to perform it on our behalf. You said there's one that gives and yet increases all of the more, that you will increase our harvest that comes from our righteous act of giving. We thank you, bless you, and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, glory to God, hallelujah. If you joined us on live stream again, podcast, thanks so much for being with us tonight. It's always an honor to be able to share the word of God with you. And it's always my prayer that the word of God brings increase into your believing and into your thinking that you can step forward in the things of God as you take these things into your heart. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. Click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And please, if there's anything at all that we can ever stand in prayer with you about and agree with you about, please let us know because it's always an honor and a privilege to stand with our partners and believe for your needs to be met. Amen.